You already know that Illegal Pete's makes delicious, mission-style Mexican food. But did you know that Illegal Pete's uses its marketing funds to support Colorado creative talent that we love? We support the Denver Diatribe Podcast, the Grolix Comedy Showcase, Rocky Mountain Roller Girls, the Yellow Designs BMX Stunt Team, Apex Movement Parkour Team, the Underground Music Showcase, and more. We even have our own record label, The Greater Than Collective, with albums by The Epilogues, Snake Rattle Rattle Snake, Esme Patterson, Ian Cook, and comedian Ben Roy, and a starving artist program that feeds out-of-town bands traveling in Colorado for free. Illegal Pete's. We're more than just a restaurant. So, let us put our food, and music, and comedy, and sports, inside you. Please. Please. Denver, Denver, I'm from Denver, 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 I'm from Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most text bubble filled city between the fort and the fortress of solitude. I'm Joel Warner and joining me today at the Daniels and Fisher Clock Tower is co-host Josh Johnson. Say hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. Uh, as well as special guests, uh, Ilya Kowalchuk. Good morning. And uh, Charlie, Le- Charlie LaGreca. Yeah. The superheroes behind the Denver Comic-Con, which is parking its oversized TARDIS at the Colorado Convention Center from May 31st until June 2nd. That was actually the sound of the TARDIS. That was not so <laughs> That was me going... Yes. Uh, they're also the folks behind the super cool nonprofit for local Padawans, Comic Book Classroom. <laughs> Got that, Welcome, man. guys. Thanks hey, for coming. Welcome. Thanks a lot. It's good to be I know, here. I know uh, times are busy for both of you, so thanks for taking the time oh, this morning. Sure. Not busy at all, are we? No, yeah, it's no, fun yeah. actually to come and think about all the stuff we've been doing. Yeah, take a break. Yeah. This is kind of your moment of zen. Right here. Up here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just want to get right into it. I want to talk about Denver Comic Con. This is the second year mm-hmm. you guys have put it on. And honestly, from what I've seen, things seem to be going crazy. Uh, you guys have all sorts of special guests this year, from Felicia Day to Will Wheaton to Chewbacca. Yep. Chewbacca's coming. He is coming. Yeah. Uh, my God, Chewbacca just showed up here. <laughs> he showed up. Hey, Chewbacca. Just, yeah. He just he came out of the him. elevator. Yeah. It just it's it made his made his crazy voice and left again. This is He's this is, this is what's happening in Denver right now. It's <laughs> the things are things are just, just going off the wall. Cats and six dogs. Foot six actor. There's a Comic Con beer, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, your yep. website crashed from so many hits, right? Yeah. Uh, and. Yep. Tickets to Stan Lee's presentation sold out in like 12 parsecs. Is this 12 pretty parsecs. much right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which translates to our, in our world, two yeah. minutes. Yes. All the non geeks listening have, have just shut off this podcast already. Like, I'm done. Which is fine. That's my point. I'm going to throw cliches. out some good flags to kind of everyone know we're going super geek today. Oh, yeah. Super if geek. Super geek. Yes. If you don't like it, let's do it. But go listen to a sports podcast because it's not going <laughs> to change for the next hour. Um, so, yeah. So, let's talk about how Denver Comic Con came about. Go for well. it, <laughs> I like how Ilya looks over me like, no, it's, it's go his, ahead. It's his story. Go ahead. It all started with the 1-800-telephone. No, it didn't. It uh, started in my basement. I was uh, back visiting from New York City, um, and I recorded a podcast, too. Not as professional as yours, I might add. This setup is amazing and studio. Um, but uh, Thank you, thank you. Yes. It's so amazing we don't know how to use it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we do have an amazing view of the mountains and downtown. It's just incredible. Um, so, yeah, uh, it started, I was visiting back, uh, back in Denver. I was visiting my old t- oldest friend, Frank Romero, who um, I've known since he was four years old. 
And uh, we were going through my comic collection and laughing and having a great time and reminiscing about comics and being nerds and, you know, just everything. You know, you know how you get when you look at your old collections, how it like stirs up all these different emotions and stuff. And um, through that, as the night went on and we recorded and just had a great time, I had 18, I think 18 long boxes left that we were going through. And uh, we reminisced about how we learned so much and how we really did our reading levels really increased through the use of comics and through Stanley and Jerry Conway and all these amazing writers, you know, and artists, Ramita and all these amazing Marvel for us, Marvel artists and writers that really kind of set the path for us to learning and, uh, in through, and through that process, you know, all the cool words we learned and, um, how we wanted to do something with that. And it was Frank who really just actually said, you know, we should think about doing something on an education platform. And we also talked also about just comics in Denver and how it's an amazing fan city and geek culture city and how it deserves a big uh, con. We didn't, we didn't know what yet, but we knew it deserved something really cool. And through that, in that night, we kind of just played around with ideas and came up with the idea of comic book classroom and, um, Denver Comic Con, which at the time wasn't called Denver Comic Con. We didn't know what it was. Oh, they both came out out of the same. Kind of, yeah. And and the idea was to have an event that really would facilitate the organization and the geek culture at the same time, right? Like kind of like tying them in together and um, bringing awareness, you know, to literacy and empowerment and all that kind of stuff for kids. Well, we're going to get into a comic book classroom a little more detail later in the show, but I want to... Yeah, I got a point over. Uh, I'm Ilya. pointing over. You could, you guys couldn't see that, but I was pointing to Ilya. Um, but so yeah, I want to, I want to get into more detail about kind of the event that you said kind of, kind of fuels the whole mm-hmm. kind of operation, which is, Den, you know, uh, the Comic Con. Con, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't Chewbacca. I'll try to time. I'll try to label all of the geek references. <laughs> yeah, William Shatner now just came off the elevator. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing how many people are crammed in that guests, little elevator right guests now. Galore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, this is the second year. I mean, so well, let's start with 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 the response last year. So when you guys first said we're going to have a Comic Con in Denver, what did how did folks first kind God, of take it? It was, it was crazy, Ilya. Ilya was a huge part of helping because, uh, you know, Ilya is our education director, and he we were so overwhelmed that Ilya kind of had to step in and save the day last year and come in and help us because there was it was so unexpected how much work and how much one is involved, and then also the response, you know. Um, we were expecting seven to 10,000 people. We originally had booked just the Mile High Ballroom in the, in the Colorado Convention Center because I've done a lot of show producing and stuff. So I come from the point of view, and I've had a lot of – that you really want to sell a show out. You really want to pack the room because the energy and stuff like that. So we really purposely picked this really small room in the convention center. And like maybe four weeks before, six weeks before the con last year, we counted the ticket sales and realized, oh, we have too many people. We can't fit them in that room. <laughs> and we had been fighting about like, should we get the convention hall or shouldn't we? And, you know, what's, what's right? And we realized we have no choice. We have to like take a gamble and go to a, you know, take one of the really big 100,000 square foot rooms. Yeah. And um, so we did, and, you know, it just really paid off and, and continued to – the energy just continued to go through the roof. One thing, I mean, this, this might be me being naive, but, I mean, I've never associated kind of Denver up to this point as someone with this kind of like kind of hotbed of kind of 
geek culture. Yeah, geek and really? nerd culture. I mean, so yeah. so was that so is that just my own kind of mistake? I mean, has Denver always been associated with kind of a rich? Yes, it was your mistake. Yes, no. well, which is so, which I do that a lot. So do you know, do you know uh, Morgan Spurlock? Yeah, the guy who did Super Size Me. Yeah, he also did another documentary about San Diego Comic Con, and one of the main. Um, people that he features in there owns Mile High Comics. Oh, yeah. And it's it's just this, this gigantic comics behemoth across the country. Denver has, I mean, mm, I can think of groups. four or five different smaller conventions for the, the particular um, fan fandom. You know, like there's one for steampunk. There's one for anime. There's one for costume. There was just costume comms last weekend. <laughs> The, the, there are a ton pirates, pirates, a pirate yeah. One. That's true. Um, yeah. There was a pirate gaming. convention and gaming convention, and so there's a lot of different conventions all around Denver for the disparate nerd culture groups. And what we were trying to do was just trying to bring everybody together so we could have an even better party. So one big Death Star, exactly. Yeah. Nerd, exactly. <laughs> Fire nerd Death Star. I mean, so so. What caused this here? Was it was it a mile high, or was it you know was it something? I else? think I think Ilya really speaks to the point. Is like I, my very first show was a small little comic uh, comic uh, Rocky Mountain Comics and Art Festival or something or Comic Con downtown. They were trying to do the very first Comic Con in Denver, and that was what really totally changed my path. To be mm-hmm. honest, because I'm a cartoonist and set me on my way to understanding that people are actually drawing these and writing these. But I think the whole nerd culture of Denver, in a way, it's kind of good that it was untouched. Like, in the sense from, like, these really big cons, because you had everyone just forming their own little factions and doing shows and just building and building. So it was, like, simmering, right? It's huh. like like, a, like just something simmering and bubbling, and all it needed to do was add a little bit of more, I don't know. Flavor. Flavor, flavor. <laughs> add a little flavor, flavor. And, and then they were, it just, boom, you know, just blew up. And I think... I think that's what served this city is all the different cultures. By the way, it was also a lot of right place, right time. Yeah. You know, yeah. like Denver is a city on the grow. Yeah. Right. And it's the other part about it is that the whole comic book and superhero culture has been getting a lot more credence in popular yep. media. I mean, you know, you saw what happened with the Batman movies, the trilogy that Christopher Nolan put together. There were people who were going to see that, that would never have gone to see a Batman yeah. movie because it wasn't really a Batman movie. It was a movie about, it was a it was a it was a police drama that had a superhero in it, you know, and and it was it was this wonderful story that echoed with a lot of people about escaping and fantasizing and trying to figure out how you can solve a problem that seems bigger than you, and so in that sense we we are right place right time because there's a lot of people in the world and in Denver that are looking for other ways to connect with this kind of culture, yeah. So, have there been attempts kind of before this kind of right time? There have put it? been. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, what, what happened with those? How did, how did it ever... Well, the big question I always had was, and Frank and I, um, we went, I, I looked at a few different spaces before settling on the convention center because the convention center seems like such a big beast, right? Yeah. But I've done a ton of different conventions around uh, the nation. And um, when I looked at the other spaces, different little artistic spaces, unique spaces... Uh, we kept coming back to the convention center. And so um, I think what we knew was the synergy of having a beautiful convention center that we have right downtown that's in the heart of everything and going big like that and how that can really um, start the fire. Sure. And, and I think that these other shows that tried, to get back to your question, sorry, um, they, um, they always went to these small hotels. And, they, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it's a matter of taking risks. 
Yeah, a matter of taking risks. Like and trusting and, that, all right, we're going to rent this convention center and people will show up. There's right. so, so many risks. So many yeah. risks. We were just, like, we would, all of us were just pulling our hair out, trying mm-hmm. to figure out, like, are we going to lose our shirts over this or what's going to happen, you know? And, and we even had financial backup. Like, we, we, yeah. like, two weeks before the convention, we were coming up with plans in case we didn't cover, yeah. cover everything last yeah, year. Oh. Yeah, if we didn't cover anything, you have to, you know, you have to pay a, a still have to. major deposit and stuff like that. And yeah, right. That was kind of scary, too, you know? Sure. And I think even the Colorado Convention Center was looking at us. Well, I know this because the representative at the time called me, and months and months, like a year and a half before when we were booking, was like, uh, you know, you guys are just a little organization. Can you really pull this Comic-Con <laughs> off? You know, we looked at your bank account. <laughs> you know, we're like, no, we can, we can. We got a lot of heart, man. We got a lot of heart, you know. And that's true. I think it really, I think that's really. It really, it really was one of, it, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it kind of was. So yeah. how much bigger is it this year than it was last year? Well, so wow. last year we had one hall. The convention center has six main halls. Last year we had one hall, and this year we have two for the con- for the Comic-Con itself. And then recently what um, what we just found out was that the catering company, Centerplate, at the convention center is going to reserve an adjacent one-half hall for the food court area. So all told, when somebody walks in, they'll see two and a half halls opened up, which will be about 250,000 square feet wow. for, yeah. the, for, the, uh, for the convention this year. That's crazy. And yeah. it was kind of neat because the convention center obviously believes it enough that um, – they feel like we're going to have really big attendance that they wanted to open that extra half hall. They were like, geez, you know? Yeah. So we're, we're thrilled. The ticket sales are gangbusters. We're just really yeah. excited about the numbers that we've been seeing. And, um, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're looking forward to ticket sales at the door and seeing people's faces and costumes yeah. and all the activities. It's now, now, as you talked about, I mean, this similar stuff's happening all over the country and then, you know, there are, there are, a couple of really kind of big comic cons that, mm-hmm. that really get kind of the national attention and they release kind of the, the movie clips and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. How is Denver Comic Con different than some of the other kind of comic cons that are kind of recognized? Well, the first thing, you can tell you what that is, the main thing that makes us different. So other, the other main comic cons around the country are nonprofits like us, but they're a different classification of nonprofits. What, what they do is solely at the convention. And and they sit under this classification as a nonprofit of of um, art furthering arts and culture in society, and and their con is the way that they do that. Mm-hmm. But we're a five hundred one c three, and what we do is we use the funding that we get from the con's revenue to pay for our nonprofit called Comic Book Classroom. So so the revenue from the con is going to pay for an educational program that's putting kids through after school programs, it's keeping them off the streets, it's teaching them more about literacy and art and also giving them windows into possible career paths. Wow. So yeah. And that's going on throughout the entire school year in addition to the cultural awareness that we're raising at the convention. And I assume and- the the kids are involved in a lot of the stuff going on during the con as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, do you, we can talk about that now if you want to, or we can wait. But there's a long list of stuff that the kids. I'm going to keep doing. things tidy. I'm going to say we're going to hold off. Okay. <laughs> stay, tuned. Stay, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay yeah. tuned. But bum, what bum, does bum. make us unique is that we do have a, the largest area of the con, as far as programming and uh, like experience when you walk in the con doors, is the comic book classroom 
Corral, which is the largest spot. It's over 5,280 feet this year. Square feet. Square feet. Uh, what goes on there? I don't know. It's crazy, man. It's a corral. It's the Old West. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's gonna, we're going to have a lot of – the whole area is going to be family-friendly with kids' yeah. activities. And yeah, it's panels. Awesome. We're gonna so have, I can bring my 5-year-old. Oh, yeah. Bring your five-year-old. Oh, yeah. Bring your 5-year-old, dress him up in costume, garb, yep. have a blast. And he we, loves dressing we've, up. Um, we've, we're, we're also really all about partnering like with to make it unique, what makes us unique. We make this unique because we want to tap into Colorado and the West and Denver. Like what makes this city, what, will, what can we bring to the condo to make it different? So we've partnered with this company called Little Spider Creations. And they're creating an amazing. They're right here kinda, in town. Yeah, they're right here in town. They do stuff for like theme parks. Like they build these amazing, you know, sculptures and stuff for like Six Flags, things like that. And um, so what we're doing with them is they're building some specific sculptures for our show. And one of them is the comic book corral, you know, kind of doing a giant arch. Aha, we're doing an arch. Arches. <laughs> Arches. So overrated. So Arches. overrated. Yeah, sorry. Underrated. We had a big, we had a big discussion about arches. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so we're doing uh, one of our mascots is like. Five and a half feet, six oh, feet wait, high. Hold on. Are these, is this the company that does a kind of like, kind of like the soft foamy? They're well, they're hard, but they're, they're made hard, out yeah. of foam. But then yeah, they, but they're they, soft. Well, no, no, then they like make them hard. Like okay. they, they cure them or so something. Like, they know, pickle them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they seal them up, and because they, they said that people, because they when they do them at theme parks, they can't. They have to be firm. And, yeah, and people yeah, have to be able to crawl on, on them and stuff. Be able to touch them and stuff. So they are building That's a cool. giant, like a really cool, neat giant arch that kind of speaks to our mission. And my point of that is, is that it's going to be really um, impactful, and kids will love it. You know, one of them has a giant comic book opened, and one of them has a giant notebook opened, and kids will be able to either write on them or, you know, just even experience them, walk on them, look at them. You know, it's really, really cool. Yeah. So right. the corral is going to be, it's going to be fantastic. We're going to have lots of yeah. world class artists and actors doing stuff there, and yeah. activities for kids. My five and seven year old already have their costumes picked out. So what are they? Do they? What are they going in? Um, well, my son is going to, I think he's going to go as Batman, but we'll see. He's, he's right now, he's, he's torn between Batman and Iron Man. <laughs> and uh, my daughter, she really wanted to be Word Girl from the PBS oh, show. Oh, that's so but cool. But they don't make any Word Girl costumes, which is terrible because she's like this awesome, awesome character who has a, a mascot whose name is uh, Captain Huggy Pants. <laughs> <laughs> and, Are you going to uh, go as Captain Huggy Pants? I, 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 maybe, maybe, <laughs> I'll be so tired. I'll probably just have my underwear on at the <laughs> but um, and then uh, but she, I think she's going to either go as uh, American Dream, who's Captain America's daughter, oh, yeah. or uh, or Wonder Woman. Cool. So, wow. yeah, so and actually, brings up, brings up a question. So okay, so let's say uh, Josh here says yes. The night before, he's like, I'm going to go to Comic Con. Yes. But all of a sudden, Josh is like, Oh no! Online ticket sales are closed. Or even that too. But also, what am I going to wear for my superhero costume? And so do you guys have tips for last-minute newbies like Josh? We do. Who don't know what they're going to wear. One. And Josh is definitely going to wear whatever you suggest. One, um, <laughs> using a search engine of your choice <laughs> to quickly look up, you know, easiest costume in the world. <laughs> I know. Do you know Alta, how I steer Alta, away from saying one? Alta Vista? Alta Vista. <laughs> I think it's Dogpile, right? <laughs> exactly. Use one of those. Or the other option, this is really cool, is this year we have a few uh, vendors like the Wizard's Chest from here in Denver who is purposely bringing a costume rental or a costume purchasing experience oh. where if you show up at the con and you're like, dang, I feel left out. Like I want to be Captain America or I want to be Nightwing or whatever. I want to be um, Marilyn Monroe, Liberty gun toting 
chick. Which is um, what uh, Josh has on his T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's today. what he has on his T-shirt. Um, you can walk over to Wizard's Chest, and honestly, they'll have stuff that you can look at and buy and put it on. Because we realized last year there was a missing link there for people. Like, yeah. cause people but you don't have to have a costume. No, 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 no Josh. No, no, no but Josh does. Shunned. Josh, you do. <laughs> but Josh does. So like, if Josh was going to like homebrew something that night. Homebrew. Yeah. So the best thing to do would probably involve... Sandals, socks, a duct tape, bucket, and a sheet. Right. <laughs> Just do something like that. Maybe. I'll blue myself. There you go. You blew yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so cut off jean shorts too. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we meant blue man group, didn't you? When you said blue yourself, right? We were being, I, I, sure, <laughs> I sure hope you did, Josh. You were meant it's an like, arrested development joke. You I, 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 it? Yes, Tobias I blew it. himself? I, no, yeah. I got it. Got I, it. Uh, <laughs> Ilya just hit me, and I was like, oh, crap. Um, but basically, it was true. You, don't, you can just come as your regular self. And, and, or the best costume, actually, is just putting on a nerd shirt of some kind, like maybe a Shazam shirt or a, a Captain America. You know, just you can wear, you know. If you want to be feel like you're part of it or something. The nerd shirts are fantastic. Oh my god. There's some really clever ones out there that you have to look at it for a good ten minutes before before you get it. Yeah. I can't recall yeah. one. Do you guys remember one? Where where essentially it takes like something from the uh an, all right, so here's one. So I, here's, I got one for you. There's a um there's a stormtrooper who's looking down and he's got his head in his hands and he's just looking kind of distraught. And there's a caption underneath that says, Dang. They were the droids I was looking for. (laughs) (laughs) And that would be a Star Wars joke. That is awesome. Those are the great shirts. And you can, there's going to be a lot of amazing vendors that are going to have those kind of cool fun. I mean, that's part of the fun is going to the con and finding unique, weird shirts like that. that, You know, you can't find at Target or We've got an amazing t-shirt vendor called Stylin' Online. He's He's got this gigantic booth. It's like. 40 feet tall with a t-shirt tower. It's just it's going to be amazing. Kids yeah. and parents. Just all t-shirts, yeah. all geek related t-shirts, like 10 booths long. It's yeah. Crazy. So what, so what, so what are the craziest stories from last year and how do you expect this year's stories to top it? Well, like Barry Kitson was one of our special guests last year and he did the, uh, all the, the promo guide and the posters and stuff like that. And our publicist, Amy Heinrich, who's just fantastic, hit it off with um, Barry because he's really a huge music fan. And um, Amy is very involved in the music scene here. And this guy's amazing. He flew in from London, was here, and he was just ready to go he the was, whole Yeah, the, the whole, whole weekend he yeah. was good to go. <laughs> he was ready to just put a beer in his hand, and he would draw. He was, he was literally, when he wasn't at the con, he was at the hotel with fans around him, and he was just drawing free pictures for everyone, just... Mm. Amazing guy until like eleven thirty at night. Yeah, so we're we're at the Hyatt and it's like last call. It's like one thirty in the morning. They're like, "Sorry, we don't have." And he's like, "Well, no more beer. Like, when do you guys your beer, your pubs don't stay open?" And we're like, "No, Baron." He's like, "Well," and there's this guy, this Roberto, who's on our team, who had been helping him. And he's like, "Well, why don't you ring Roberto and we'll we'll make something happen?" You know, <laughs> we're like, "Well, okay." Well, Roberto, we couldn't get a hold of him, and Amy's like, "I got it. Um, I know some of the venues." So she called the venue. And she said, hey, can I come over there right now? And they're like, Amy, we're closing. She's like, I got a special guest here from London. He's like, all right, bring him over. So she took him over to the venue, and they stayed open all through the night till like 6 or 7 in the morning, allowed a few other friends to come and join them. And they and Barry had a great time. I think he drew pictures for the people who owned the bar, and they all had a blast until 6 or 7 in the morning. And, did, uh, did Barry, like, die of an alcohol overdose? Or <laughs> no. no, he would just sit there and drink and yeah. sip and draw and... <laughs> 
I mean, he, he's, he's from a, England, right? Yeah. He's from England. He's an amazing guy. And the, the awesome thing about Barry is that you don't have to pay. He's, I mean, he's, he's one of the premier artists in the comic world. Yeah. You don't, when, when you get a, a sketch from Barry at, at, at one of the conventions, you don't have to pay a dime. You just have to sit there and talk to him. But wow. you get a sketch that normally would honestly cost you probably 50 to maybe $150. Yeah. I mean, he right. puts that much love into it. And the funny thing was is the next day, here's what a pro he is. This guy's a pro. He's, he should have been working Vegas. Is the next day, con starts at 10 a.m. I, I had gone home long before at 2 a.m., Show up at the con, and here comes Barry. First thing before the doors even open, bright-eyed. I don't know, you know, just like ready to ready go. Ready to go? Yeah. It's amazing. Worked yep. the entire day. Yeah. Then went out again. It was amazing. Huh. Yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Same thing. So it was great. That was pretty crazy. So that was yeah. fun. Yeah. That what was else really from fun. last year? The costume contest. So last year, the costume contest in our main events hall, we had people who had put these amazing costumes together. And they'd been spending months and months and hundreds of hours putting their costumes together. I was sitting there waiting to see what was going to happen because one of the things I was worried about was that, that the costume contest was after hours. And as a first-year con, one of the problems that we encountered was a lot of people hadn't been to cons before, so they kind of didn't know what to expect or how to behave or what to do or even what costumes to wear. And so... So for the costume con- contest, we were really, I was really nervous that, that not that many people would show up to watch it mm-hmm. and, and appreciate the work that these people had put into their costumes. And, and so I go downstairs, and literally the line for the costume contest was wrapped around the entire lobby of the convention center. And, yeah. and they, we hadn't let people in yet. And once we finally let people in, we had to turn away like 350 people. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was crazy. I was so like, at the same time, I was so overjoyed but I was I was so disappointed because we couldn't let these people see. So what we wound up doing was we opened up the the doors. They had these big wide double doors to main events, and we opened them up. And straight through the doors, the people who were literally standing in the hallway, hundreds of people were standing in the hallway. They could see the big video monitors and see the people in costume. Nice. Yeah. And so that was crazy because so it was, who won the contest? Well, there were there were several different awards. Um, one of the, one of the awards that was given out was. Um, given out to the uh, the judge the judge gave it out as i am a very happily married man but you have the sexiest costume award Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, and, and that was red sonia she was pretty awesome um but I, the one who won best in show he was a it was a post-apocalyptic kind of road warrior guy he had on this kind of goat mask with horns and bottle caps and all and uh he i think he made a chain mail out of um the flip tops from the from from uh aluminum cans and it was, I mean, I can't do it justice. I can't describe it at all. It was amazing, the work that he had put into it. It was fur and metal and horns. Oh, yeah, that's right. It wow. was really, really and cool. And we have uh, – what's really cool is so this year we've stepped up our costume contest. We have way more room. We have 1,500 people that can fit in the main events room. And then on top of that, we're, we have this year the Kryptonian Rocket Ship Award, which are these really awesome, like, Krypton-looking, you know, from old Superman, little rocket ship awards to the top people. And we also have other awards under that. And then we also have a $250 cash prize this year. So if anyone's listening out there and you have an awesome costume, well, no, it's too late to get in. It is. It's that that was the other thing about yeah, the costume contest right. this year. It's similar to everything else we've been doing. The costume sold. contest sold, it sold out. out. In 90 but it didn't sell out, it, but, but it's full. Or no, in, in a few days, I'm sure. Yeah, sorry. and so that one, that one filled up too. And, and it's, that's one of the craziest things about the convention that we're seeing this year is that I think there, there are a lot of people who heard about it wherever on the radio podcast or in the news and, and they're like, Oh, I'm going next year. And, yeah. And, and people are really are showing up in big ways. It's crazy. And there are still tickets available. The only reason I say that is because there's a rumor that we sold out and you haven't, and we haven't, we have okay. not sold so I just out. want to clear. So what, so what are the tips do you have for like, like first timers to kind of 
get mm. the most out of their con? That's a really good question. So the best thing to do is if if however you're going to dress, wear comfortable shoes. <laughs> really, I mean it. Like wear comfortable yeah. shoes. It's you're huge. not allowed to bring your own food and drink into the convention center. It's one of their rules. But what you can do is you can bring a water bottle. Mm-hmm. And people tend to not take very good care of themselves at the convention because they walk in the door and it's like, oh. <laughs> I'm at home. It's true. You get so excited, and yeah. they're going from everything to everything, and just that's like cool. that's yeah. cool, that's yeah. cool. And so, um, people tend to not take very good care of themselves as a first timer because they get carried away. So, mm-hmm. drink lots of water, wear comfortable shoes. Maybe um, some people even bring a change of shoes, like so their feet don't get tired or whatever. Um, and take breaks, relax, enjoy yourself. We're going to have something on our website in the very short term, and it's also going to be in the program guide, and it's called the Geek Survival Guide, and it's specifically geared towards those first-time attendees. And it'll have things like um, a glossary, like a nerd glossary, and uh, the different kinds of people that you'll see at the convention and um, how to treat people. Um, One of the other things, too, that's really important to us is that everybody at the con feels safe. Yeah. whether they're kids or families or adults or, or people who are in costume. And one of the things that's happening is that as con culture is burgeoning across the country is that um, the etiquette of it is not as um, uh, people aren't learning about etiquette as, as quickly as they, mm. as their enthusiasm is bringing them to the convention. And so um, we really want people to feel safe. And one of the big ways that they can do that is if they're going to come um, and you want to take pictures of people who are in costume, you need to do it in an appropriate manner. So you, you ask someone if you can take their picture. You don't just try to sneak a picture. Because um, it, it can be invasive and it can be threatening in some ways. Um, yeah. And then uh, the other thing that's, that's really important is for, for, for people to treat, treat all the attendees with respect whether or not they're a beautiful woman who's dressed up in, in a nice costume. Um, that doesn't or beautiful Josh. who's Beautiful Josh. Yes, with his bucket. Blued himself. Princess Leia. <laughs> Princess Leia. Yeah, you could, you could pull off Princess yeah, you Leia. Could. You could totally. So, you have the right so yeah, perfect so, character. So just treating people buns. Buns. I'm going to move on to talk about um, the whole kind of the whole point of this thing, which is um, comic book classroom. But mm-hmm. before we do, I want to give a little shout-out to our uh, sponsor, as yes. always, is Illegal Pete's. Uh, it's this Saturday, May 25th, that Illegal Pete's uh-huh. is throwing a pre-Comic-Con costume fest starting yep. cool. at 8 yeah, p.m. They are. Starting at 8 p.m. Yeah, uh, best costumes can win weekend passes to the Comic-Con, uh, Illegal Pete's gift cards, uh, Breckenridge Brewery of Colorado stuff. Yeah. Yep. And uh, the beer, Cape, the Cape Crusader. Yeah, they will be on tap. By Breckenridge Brewery, which yeah. is the official beer mm-hmm. of Comic-Con. So check it out. It starts at 8 p.m. at 1530 16th Street, uh, where your best... Blue Man outfit, Josh, and you might win. Um, and so, right before we get back to comic book classroom, a uh, little musical break. We'll be right back. Through anything. Coming down from the come up, it's finally summer. Think until the sun up, need the whole week in the sum up. This wish feeling to exist, drinking, sinking into the abyss. I missed the chance to resist. They got hectic, so I left with a kiss. A skeptic when I reminisce as a record skips over out your lips. The tips, the close knit risks, nights. Just for the kicks, you were right. Fall into a fist, falling for your pulmonary rips. Later from a culinary slip, differences rolling very quick. Personas and diplomas very thick. Life and involuntary shit lead me to my solitary fit. We don't see too many things that need new wedding rings. We team through anything, dreams, friends, so and new enemies. Be you boo, anything, anything, anything. Okay, that was A is for Anything by Wheelchair Sports Camp. They just released their Blank Space EP, so check it out. They're also on 
uh, national tour right now, opening for the Flo- uh, Flowbots. Is yes, that correct, they Josh? are. Oh, cool. 28 really? cities in a month. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Go Wheelchair Sports Camp. Uh, so, yeah. So, as we talked about in the first half of the show, well, well Denver uh, Comic-Con is fantastic. Most people might not realize is that it all goes to support kind of the main nonprofit you guys are doing, which is Comic Book Classroom. Right. And Charlie, as you said, this thing all came about one kind of heady comic book yeah. evening fan geek to like change evening. the world um it's true and can i just say something real quickly yes stefan brackett from the flowbots is premiering and debuting his first comic book at denver comic con i gotta tell you the art looks phenomenal i'm really excited about for him because he's did he do the film. art of the writing or no dion um see i should see these are talking points i need but you guys just talked about the flowbots and it just reminded me dion yeah. i can't remember his last name but uh you guys got to check it out. We'll have it on our website very soon. You know, it's just exciting for him to, he's been a, a comic geek his whole life. So he's uh, entering kind of the, another new media form. So yeah. So let's talk about uh, comic book classroom. Comic uh, book classroom. Yes. I just want to hear all about it. Tell me. All about um, it. So, uh, you know, as I said, Frank and I, you know, we, we came up with that basic idea and quickly we immediately started um, having meetings and discussing how the entire thing would look and something that quickly became apparent because I've actually done a lot of after school and in school um, specials spe- specials I don't know if you know this <laughs> one to grow on <laughs> you know uh, you totally threw me on that one attention yeah, uh, you know, I've done a lot of uh, teaching in the sense of Schools would contact me randomly because I have a website and I'm a cartoonist. And they'd say, hey, would you want to – or people I'd meet and they'd say, hey, would you like to teach a comic book class? You know, Kids love comics in our school. And I would go and do it, and I quickly became apparent that I had, did not know what I was doing. Um, and I mean that literally because kids would be all over the place, and I had no, I had no experience or no background or education or teaching. So Frank and I talked about it, and Frank was uh, studying education at Metro State University. And we knew we need someone, we need really qualified people to help us with this. So we need to find, we know there's like-minded people out there who could really help us craft this and make it unique and, you know, be a great curriculum, good quality. And through that, we met Ilya Kowalchuk, and we also met Christina Angel, Dr. Christina Angel, who uh, Frank has known for years. And um, it was just that, honestly, uh, we didn't even need to interview anyone else. You know, they were the first people we interviewed. And we just knew it was a perfect fit. I mean, <sighs> that's the crowd. that wasn't the TARDIS. That was a crowd coming off the elevator. It's yeah, amazing. Coming through there. So um, the cool thing about Ilya was Ilya got his master's. What was your master's? I always talk about this, but I don't know. No, it's, I have a, a master's in integrating the creative arts into the curriculum. Yeah. So right there, yeah. you didn't even need to talk anymore. It was just like, okay, done. And he was also he, he super, came in and said that, and then he just like dropped the mic and walked out. <laughs> yeah, he did. Like, That's it. Yeah. That's much. it. People. <laughs> I will hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am the one you are looking for. <laughs> you are the one we are looking for. Yeah. So no, it, it worked out really well. I I, um, I taught middle school for ten years, and and at one point early in my career, I heard myself. I was I was not very vested in in school when I was a kid, and. I would rather be skateboarding or playing hockey or reading or, you know, just doing whatever I wanted to do. I didn't really care much about what people were trying to ask of me. And, and I hated it when my, when my teachers would try to get me motivated because I knew what I was interested in and it didn't really have much to do with school. And so <laughs> when I became a middle school teacher, I heard myself saying those very same things to some of my students early on in my career. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? This is so not right. You know, like, <coughs> I've got to figure out a way to change this. So 
So I, I was fortunate enough to work at a school that had these electives called arts and sciences at the end of the day. And they were an hour long for about 10 days. And, and we were, as teachers, we were given the, the autonomy to teach subjects that we knew had academic value and that the kids would be interested in, but might be a little bit more, quote unquote, relaxed than, than the regular rigorous curriculum we tried to teach for the remainder of the day. And so I started teaching classes like comic book culture and video game design and graffiti art and swing dancing and, and all these other mm -hmm. things that were my hobbies that, that I got a lot out of. And I was able to bring my interest and passion to those classes. And, and the, the really interesting byproduct, which I didn't expect, I just wanted a way to connect with these kids who didn't really care so much about algebra. But after that, after these kids who flocked to my classes for, for graffiti art or video game design, I had these guest speakers come in and we would design games and talk about tutorials and game pads and panels and comic strips and scripts and all this stuff. And, and afterwards, the kids would come back into my algebra class and they would try harder. They would try a lot harder really? than that they had previously because I think it was the fact that we had a relationship and we had a connection about something that was important to them. And, and they said, oh... Ilya understands me in some way uh, differently than he did before. And so, so what he has to say might be a little bit worthwhile, you know. And, and whether or not algebra or history or whatever was still difficult for those kids, they, they, they would all come and be willing to have a go at it so much more than they were beforehand. So, and one of the guest speakers that I brought in during my comic book class was um, on the original group that, that was trying to get the, the, um, the comic book classroom in Denver Comic Con started. And so he had come in and talked to my students as a guest speaker from the comic industry and said, you know, I worked in comics for decades, and, and if you're in middle school now, here's what you need to be doing if you want to get a job in, in an entertainment world. And, and so the kids were able to say, oh, all right, I, actually it is important for me to get good grades. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and then, um, you know, he showed them his collection of original art and talked about what it was like to meet these artists and how hard they worked and, and the fact that they really were world-class artists and painters and, and that, um, and that there, you know, that, that there is a career path to, to these, these different kinds of, uh, fields in the entertainment world. And so he knew that I was already using comics in my class and he contacted me and said, Hey, we're thinking about doing this project would you be interested in, in helping us? And, and at the time I was transitioning out of teaching and into becoming a stay at home dad, which is actually more work. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, so since then we've just been getting the ball rolling with comic book classroom and Denver comic con. And, um, it's been really a wonderful, wonderful interaction between the two organizations have been mutually supportive. And, um, so what does it look like now? Let's talk about kind of what schools it's in. What is it as actual program? So over the past three school years we've had 400 graduates which is, wow. is pretty awesome um and we've been in over 15 different schools and community organizations so schools all across the front range from greeley down to littleton um and uh there's i think somebody in colorado springs who's using the curriculum now and uh girls and boys clubs uh, ymca what is, what does it mean to graduate so the comic book classroom right now, what we do is we offer a six to seven week curriculum that, that the teachers can change based on whatever the parameters of the after school program are. And so the kids come in and over the course of the program, they learn the vocabulary of comics. So they learn how to speak about comics in an accurate liter literary based way. Um, they learn about character development. They learn about um, storyline, story arcs, 
climax, resolution, all the traditional topics that one would get in a literacy class, but we couch it in terms of comic books. Mm. And so the reason for that is that we're trying to hook kids back into this culture of literature or use it as a gateway drug and have the kids say, you know what, comics and reading and writing, I can do that. So after they do all that, they study all those things, then then what they do is they sit down as a class and they brainstorm problems that they're seeing in their world. Whether it could be abuse, it could be obesity, it could be divorce, it could be poverty, it could be um, my brother's an idiot, whatever it is. They brainstorm all those, and then the different groups of comic authors come together and they pick one of the problems that they want to address, and they want want to write a comic about. And so then they try to tackle that. They create a character who's going to be able to deal with that. They write the problem. They write the, the, the climax, the resolution. You know, we have these, these, these story planning sheets with main event one, main event two, main event three, the climax, and then the resolution. And, and so they plan that out. They do a thumbnail sketch of what their comic's going to look like. And then they get a really nice heavyweight paper to do their final comic on, which they pencil, and then they ink, and then That's they awesome. color it in. And then the last week of the class, they have a comic release party, which uh, Charlie just got to go to a couple weeks ago. And we have a comic book mobile that that's it was donated to the organization. It's totally covered. Guyrie's donated like a thousand sharpies, a hundred thousand sharpies. <laughs> Last year we had all the comic artists, world famous artists, color draw all over the car, um, and uh, and so Charlie drives it to the graduations with, and he pops open the trunk and there's a bunch of free comics inside, and we give the kids oh, a awesome. graduation mm-hmm. packet with like a sketchbook and some pencils and button and and they get a a golden ticket and it's a free ticket for one day admission for them and a caregiver to come to the convention um and at the convention when they come they're treated like guests of honor and they get um they get the chance to sit with a um a professional artist in the kids corral if they want to do sketches they can sell their sketches to attendees who are walking by they can talk to the artists and and, and really the main point for that is, um, is getting these kids who might come from underserved neighborhoods and schools to say, oh, wow, like people get paid to do this. Like this, this could be a job. I could do this, you know, and I don't have to work at McDonald's or at King Supers or whatever. I could, I could do something else. And so, so helping kids see that there are viable career paths in the entertainment industry and, 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 um, and see that, that these kind of interests and, and these, these artistic qualities can, can flourish. Um, one of the amazing things that I'm so excited about that's happening this year is that um, Peter Mayhew, who's, who's the, character, the actor who plays Chewbacca in all the movies, um, he actually heard about Comic Book Classroom and through his agent contacted us and said he wanted to do something special for the graduates of Comic Book Classroom. So what he's doing is he's coming out to, to Denver a day early for free on his own dime and he's going to do an event at uh, the Denver Public Library uh, the day before the convention for the graduates. He's going to invite them all in. Um, he's going to uh, read one of his books uh, uh, about what it was like to grow up different because he was very tall when he was younger. And, and so he's, he's going to read that to the kids and talk to them. And, um, and, uh, and then afterwards, he's going he's gonna to sign all of the books um, and for the, each of the graduates, and he's going to give them give them one of the signed books for free. Um, and we also have an artist from Star Wars who's yeah. drawn Star Wars Comics. stuff, Jason Sobel, yeah, who is flying yeah. in and is going to do a bunch of Star Wars sketches for kids. So that'll be really cool too for free. Yeah. So the kids, the graduates, will get that opportunity to meet Peter Mayhew and Jason Sobel, and um, you know the, the Peter Mayhew's autographs at the convention, I think, are thirty five. Yeah, I think so. Something yeah, like that. And so it's, it's amazing. 
he's yeah. and, and donating and he's donating it for free and and um it's one of those situations where where people in in our industry are hearing about comic book classroom and they're making these choices of their own accord we're not reaching is it, out is it fully unique or are there folks doing it around the country or is it pretty there are a couple other comic book based programs. Uh, education programs around the country yeah but what's different about ours is that we're trying really hard to provide all the resources to educators uh, and community organizations for free nice. we want right now we don't have the the resources to provide our first um, curriculums, comics, so the comics that you would need to teach the first curriculum for free. Um, but we're going to work towards that. We're going to hire artists and writers to, to put together content that we'll be able to offer for free download. And our goal is to, for each of the subsequent curricular units that we offer, whether they're units about standing up for what's right or drug abuse or domestic violence or financial management, whatever the unit might be, it'll be based in comics. And then anybody can come to our website and they'll be able to download that content with the comics that are necessary for teaching that unit for free. Awesome. With that, what we're hoping for is that we'll get some partnerships with the comic companies and, and mm-hmm. what they'll be willing to do is create content that's branded, say, you know, the Avengers branded comic book classroom curriculum. And maybe a teacher would want to pay for that upgrade. And so that, that, that right. way that their kids can read the Spider-Man comic or, you know, DC, the brand, the branded comic or whatever. And so, so that, that would be a way that, that we would get some revenue from, from the comics. But, but really our main goal is we don't want money to ever be an impediment to kids having the opportunity to interact with our curriculum. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I want to talk a bit more about this concept of comic comics as, as literature. And mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about, about whether or not it is literature. I think we're well beyond that point. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. folks who are kind of questioning that are, I don't, you know, they're, they're clearly back in the Stone Age. All right, I'm in the Stone Age. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I, up into, I had a... You know, I'm surprised by how substantial the comic book classroom mm-hmm. actually is, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I have this image of, of a student with their textbook, and inside the textbook is a comic book. It's like the Dennis the Menace yeah. image. Wow. Has anyone no, ever actually done that, though? I think Absolutely. That was just no, so I was just going to tell the story. One, so one of the classes that I taught, I taught on a team of eight middle school teachers and you could walk down the hall and there were all glass windows into this one classroom one day. And I was walking by the, the hallway and, um, I, I kid you not this, these two, two boys who were in eighth grade had a copy of old man in the sea opened up and right. the teacher was reading it and they were supposed to be following along. And inside it was a little mini Archie comic. Oh my God. Yeah, and they were both awesome. pointing at it and laughing. And I was just walking by and I just kind of shook my head and didn't say anything. And cause it, like, that was the thing. Like they were reading, they were reading, yeah, exactly. they were reading and, and, and they weren't reading old man in the sea, which is a boring book, right. but they were reading Archie and, and where they yep. were at that point in their lives Archie met their needs more than the old man in the sea. Right. And, but, but there is this whole oeuvre of books that, that connect with adults. I mean, you know, the, the classic example is Art Spiegelman's Mouse, which won the Pulitzer Prize. Yes. But, yep. but there's, that's, that's the only one. That's like, that's like the talking point of all of the adult-oriented adult comics that, that are not pornography when I say adult-oriented comics. But, <laughs> but they're, they deal with adult topics. They deal with mature concepts that, that adults like I try to call myself struggle with, you know, and, and, and things that, that we're, we're thinking about and contemplating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think when we're, what we're really talking about is the cultural and to get 
heady or whatever is the cultural outlook on comics, right? And the cultural outlook for the longest time was that comics were just superheroes, and they're not. The reality is just like novels. When you talk about novels, you have novels that are just jokes. You have, de- you know, you have coffee table books. You have this whole range of what can be a book, right? Like a, a prose book, right? And it can be the most ridiculous, rancorous, whatever, to the most high art or literary, right? But we've never viewed comics that way. We are finally coming to view them that way. You can have the, the most base, simple of comics to the most high art and, 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 and to like Asterius Polyp, which was David Mazzucchelli, right? Which is very, very well thought out. Six years of his life, just completely full of all kinds of nuances and subtleties that are, that are very deep. Um, so speaking to that is that, yeah, I think we've created our American myths. Maybe that's a cultural thing. Maybe, maybe cultures... And we, we don't realize it. Maybe it's just something that's in us that we like to create a myth. You know, the, 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 each culture has that. And maybe, you know, America's pretty relatively new in the sense of contemporary America, you know, um, that maybe that's what we've been seeking is to create our myths. And maybe that these are the giant myths. These are the Zeus's and the, you know, the different characters that we've created for our group yeah. giant mind mentality. The Norse gods. Right, right, right. <laughs> and there are, that are, maybe that's what they are. And then within that, maybe we have these other elements it's it's kind of yeah it's kind of wild yeah it's exciting time for it cool yeah Mm -hmm. i think uh good discussion good discussion yeah i want to thank both you guys thank uh, you guys for coming on and talking about stuff um yes as we said there are tickets still available online yes for denver comic-con go to denver comic con.com there was one other thing i wanted to talk okay do we have any time uh, quickly, quickly. All right. Yeah. So, um, the, uh, I know illegal pizza is a sponsor of the show, but, uh, I also want to talk about just one of the programs that pizza is providing. It's called experience the comics at Denver comic con. And, um, the pizza is, is sponsoring a hundred high school kids from Greeley, Boulder, Lafayette and Denver cool. to come to the convention free of charge and experience a full day's worth of educational and cultural programming. It's going to include, um, con 101 how to best experience the con they're going to get a choice to go to one of three high school oriented panels um they're going to have maybe a scavenger hunt to win a special prize if they want to do that while they're at the convention so they can experience it deeper um and they're also going to get to um meet firsthand some of the artists and writers at the con nice so that's awesome yeah um and also if listeners if you guys want to experience the con very special giveaway uh we're going to be giving away uh a weekend pass to yep. Comic-Con mm-hmm. to one lucky listener. All you have to do is come up with your own Denver-based superhero that solves one of Denver's many, many travesties. <laughs> so you get to figure out what it is, figure out what problem you're going to solve the superhero, put it on our Facebook page, uh, tweet it at us, um, call, our, call our phone number, and we will choose one. Uh, the, best, the best idea gets a weekend pass to Comic-Con. So... Uh, Get those ideas flowing. Uh, we have quickly have time for a quick love and hate, where we go around and everyone says love or hate on something related to Denver. Oh wow, uh, Josh, I'm gonna have you go first, so Charlie really can see what it's all about. Um, I'm gonna love on Bonza Bodies. It's a gym downtown. <laughs> it is okay, and they've they've been doing these uh, really cheap, great Saturday morning boot camps at Red Rocks. And they just launched another one, seven weeks for $45. And it's great. Get up, be at Red Rocks at 9 a.m. We're getting your Superman physique on? Yeah, it'll help you. Um, it'll make the cape look better. Yes. Especially so when you, you wear your... like Nacho Libre. <laughs> when you cut off your... Uh, where you wear cut off jeans. That's right. right. When I blew myself. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. 
I'm gonna love this week. I'm gonna love on the sordid history of Sloan's Lake. Have you guys? Do you guys no. know? Whoa! Yeah, Sloan's Lake, as we know, is the lake in the park up in Northwest Denver. Did you guys know that no one knows where Sloan's Lake came from? When folks first came here, there was no lake there. It was a, a farmer's property, and then sometime between 1861 and 1863, this lake appeared. Wow. And they don't know for sure. They say Is possibly. There a lady in the lake? Supposedly, yeah. like, possibly the farmer was, like, digging a well and all gave Maybe. this water and it turned into a lake. They don't know for Left sure. Left the garden wow. hose yeah. running. And, you know, <laughs> and, they, and then after that, um, it was a site of the first amusement park uh, west of the Mississippi. It was called uh, wow. Manhattan Park. And it was fantastic. It had, like, hot air balloon rides. Some guy would walk on the ceiling. Um, the most popular ride was Roger the Elephant, who was an elephant who would, the kids would ride on, until, of course, Roger the Elephant went crazy and stepped on the six-year-old boy. Oh. So then they had to put down Roger the Elephant, and they buried him in a nearby swamp. Yeah. So you, are you hating on Roger the Elephant? No. Oh, I'm okay. loving on the, <laughs> insane, the insanity that was... That's amazing. Do you lake. think that that crazy carnival thing led into Lakeside then, obviously? Like, well, it didn't which lead isn't to, I mean, I mean there, lake, but... there was this... There, I think there was this like really kind of like big like competition between the different amusement parks because you know we had no ocean so they had to create their own create. amusement. So I think first first there was Manhattan, um, then there was yeah Lakeside and Ealish Garden. So there was this competition between the different. Was there parks. swimming at Sloan's Lake? Yeah, and there was, yeah, and there was like paddle boats and stuff. Hmm. And of course, eventually That's like burnt cool. down because of course. All great music parks eventually burned down yeah, yeah. and probably swallowed by the hell mouth that's at the bottom of Sloan's Lake. Mm. Is oh, that's obviously cool. That's what, so that's, that's cool what I'm story. loving on. Uh, do you guys have love or hates this week? Uh, I am loving on the Denver has turned me in. Well, right now I need this more than anything, which is coffee. And Denver has turned me into a total coffee and beer snob because <laughs> that's what Denver's good at. And I don't know if you guys know about all the different coffee roasters that are in Denver. Oh, yeah. So I have been like just. As I'm working on the con and constantly drinking coffee, <laughs> I have been trying the different roasters at like sixteen to twenty dollars a bag. But it's just delicious, and it's serving in my fueling my like you know work process on the con. As you kind of and, twitch over your microphone, yeah, right yeah. yeah, exactly. So I've been trying like Huckleberry Roasters and um, Novo, and I can't think of any others. So I'm loving on the coffee roasters who are actually roasting coffee here in this fair city. Nice, Thank you, gents. Okay. <laughs> Ilya got love or hate. Um, I'll have to love this week and one of the th- on uh, Crema, the coffee oh, shop. Yeah. Oh wow! But you guys clearly need a lot of caffeine. These no, days. no, no. Actually, I, I don't. I don't. I can't do caffeine because it it just does bad things. Juice. But um, no, they the, they have a juice there that I have just been loving on. It's <laughs> it's. I think it's beet, carrot, ginger, and apple, and they just throw it all in the juicer, and it's just. Fantastic. Awesome, too. <laughs> um, well, thanks, guys, for coming on. Thank you, uh, guys. That's all the love and hate Absolutely. and comic Appreciate books it. and word bubbles we have time for this yes. week. If you'd like to share a little of your own love or hate or uh, uh, provide us with your own Denver-based superhero, please leave us a brief message at 720-282-YELL. That's 720-282-9355. Our theme music is by TJ Miller from his extended play EP. Web hosting is provided by bluechannel.com. For more information about Denver Diatribe or any of our guests, check out our website, denverdiatribe.com. I am Joel Warner. Half of my co-hosts and guests, thanks for listening. Haven't you heard the birds at the words Denver? High average income, roll like big spenders. Affordable housing, good money lenders. Low obesity, no need for suspenders. Check your calendar.